Hello, I'm Liam Bogart, Head of Brand Strategy at Mad Kudu, and this is the MadOps Podcast. Once a week, we're bringing you insights into how marketing operations plays a critical role in creating a frictionless customer journey. Today's episode comes from my regular weekly call with Mad Kudu co-founder and Chief Revenue Officer, Francis Burrow. Enjoy. Hey, Francis. How's it going? Hey, Liam. Good morning. How are you? Morning, morning. I'm good. It's, uh, it's the afternoon out here in Paris. Um, so I wanted to uh, start our call just by talking about something we were talking about earlier. You, you said earlier this week that marketing is the only team that generates value, which I, of course, love. But can you, can you dive into that really quickly? Yeah, I thought it was an interesting statement that, uh, of course, the marketer uh, made once where they said that initially the only people in a company that create value out of nothing, actually out of dollars, is marketing because marketing generates these leads. And um, really the role of the funnel downwards is to keep, um, you know, the value of that lead, of those leads constant all the way to the end when they actually close. So ultimately, really, the, the full dollar potential of the funnel is generated from marketing. And then the purpose of the funnel is to maximize its own throughput to make sure that at the end we get as many dollars as were potentially created by the marketing team. And so I thought that made for a, a very interesting concept to think of it from uh, that perspective you have dollar potential at the start and then dollar realized at the end and the goal of the funnel is to keep that ratio as close to one as possible yeah that's i mean it's a really uh it's a very marketing centric way of looking at it i think i, I don't know how salespeople would feel about that although i think at the end of the day they look at every lead that comes in as this is a i mean if you don't look at every lead as this is a potential revenue then then what do you then what are you doing there and so I think it's a really yeah. interesting way to say, like, how can we, how do we, like, create the most efficient machine to turn this potential into, like, kinetic energy or, or, or revenue? Um, which, which sort of, one of, the, one of the first things that I noticed when I joined uh, Mankudu was, like, I think nowhere else had I ever heard of a sales SLA. And I thought it was super interesting. And so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the sales SLA. Um, so first off, can you just explain, like, what is a sales SLA and what does it have to do with marketing and sales? Yeah, so in SLA, for people who don't know, uh, is generally an engineering term and stands for service level agreement. And usually what you hear is for is to say, you know, there's an SLA of 95% uptime, which means that um, the engineering team kind of like sets in stone an agreement saying that they are going to work to make sure that 95% of the time uh, the product is up and running. And so the sales SLA in sales and marketing is essentially an agreement that's passed between sales and marketing. Uh, to agree on generally a couple of points. The first one is how quickly are good leads going to be reached out to? Uh, so it could be something like 99% of the time, a high quality lead is going to be reached out to within four hours by a salesperson. Um, and then another uh, sales delay could be that uh, every lead is going to be contacted at least six times in the first eight weeks. And so essentially what that is saying is that we put an agreement in place to say, as soon as the lead is accepted by sales, there are some kind of conditions that happen behind to make sure that we do everything we can um, to keep engaging that lead and to actually maximize the value um, of the, I mean, the throughput of the funnel. And so what actually stands behind it is this, uh, it ties back to this like general consulting concept of measure, predict, optimize, where if you want to optimize the throughput of your funnel, you need to start by measuring it. And um, essentially, you want to measure this point of the handoff where you're saying we're passing this dollar potential to sales. And now we want to say if it's accepted, then you actually have to work it 
within a given with a given process. And the cell SLA is a way of measuring: Are we actually respecting this uh, this kind of contract that we have between sales and marketing? And is it something? Is it something where you see a lot of companies have this? Like, especially, I guess, SaaS companies. Like, do most SaaS companies have this, or or is this a relic or or some form of it? No, it's a it's a it's an interesting question. I think we see it a lot with companies that are going to have leadership that come from the enterprise world because it's kind of like um, I think it's it's a more standard thing to do when you've been in the enterprise and you've had these large teams of SDRs that are kind of all over the place and you really you want to have very strict processes to manage them and to also give them a way to know um, what to do every day so it's a little bit less. Uh, um, fluffy and disorganized and a lot of the maybe growing startups where um, really it's about it's more about leverage and about efficiency and uh, and I guess that makes sense it's funny because a lot of the b2b marketing playbook seems to come from the b2c world and it seems like a lot of the SaaS playbook comes from the old like enterprise software world and so it's cool to see how people are borrowing like best practice because I mean, enterprise software was very high, t multiple touch, you know, very convoluted. And even though we're moving to self-serve software and like really, really quick, just the idea of having to scale, that means you want to take what worked with that like high touch environment and, and bring it to scale. So that's super interesting to see uh, where, where that, um, I guess that uh, method is coming from. Um, so I, I guess this is silly. H how do you know if you need one? Like the, if I'm six people today, do I, do I need one? Do, if I just raise my like seed round or series A round, is that something that you would expect to see or, or want to see? Yeah, I think you want to see it from the start because it's, uh, first off, it's, it's a great way to um, make sure you define a process that's going to happen after the handoff from sales to marketing. Uh, it's a great way to measure what you can do better. And it's also an amazing way to surface potential contention areas. So, you know, what we see a lot is that people don't put the SLA in place mainly because they want, they want to avoid the tough conversation of, you know, why are these leads being pushed on to sales and they're not disqualified, but they're not contacted. They're kind of in limbo there and we don't really know what's happening with them. Um, so if you don't have the SLA, you don't really necessarily realize that, especially if you have a high volume of leads coming in. So, Having that SLA in place forces you to have the conversation to understand why are these leads not being contacted, and it forces you to have a conversation about this implicit feedback that the sales team is giving, which could be either we have too many leads to respect the SLA, uh, so we don't have enough bandwidth to deal with this. Um, we actually think these leads are not qualified and we should not have accepted them, but we don't have the bandwidth to actually go and qualify each of them to define which ones we accept or not, so we just bulk accept and then we figure out that we're maybe not going to reach out to some of them. So essentially, it's a great way to, to surface these uh, potential issues that are just going to become bigger and bigger problems downstream. Uh, but yeah, I would say like as soon as you get started having some, some, uh, some form of a marketing and a sales team, you should get started uh, with an SLA. Yeah, it's super interesting because it's almost like the sales SLA isn't necessarily the solution to any given problem. It's like it's the doctor. It's like if the sales SLA isn't working, you know something's wrong, right? Uh, and and so that's that's super interesting. And it seems like it seems like you can touch. So it, like you you were saying like it might be that you're understaffed on sales team. It might be that your lead scoring is wrong, or that your lead routing is wrong, or your lead prioritization is wrong. Like there's so many different things that could actually be the source of that problem. 
um, which is, which seems like a very, uh, ah, it just seems really, I, I wouldn't have expected one thing to, to solve that. Uh, what, like, who do you typically see bringing this in to an organization? You said like experienced enterprise people, like who do you see owning this? Like, it seems like a real, like that marketing and sales alignment for me is always the very like scary field. And it seems like if, if marketing brings that to the table, is sales going to get on board? And if sales brings that to the table, is marketing going to get on board? Like, where, how do you how do you bring that into an organization? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty tricky, um, particularly because of the, there's some complexity in implementation that we talk we can talk about later. But so what we see a lot is that I mean, there's this growing role in in SaaS of the the CRO, the Chief Revenue Officer, uh, and so generally companies that have a Chief Revenue Officer or and then the of them is going to be like a business uh, operations team. Like they're the ones who generally own it because they actually want to, they own the full funnel analytics and understanding how things flow through. Um, so in those cases, it's generally straightforward. But then when you have, there's a structure of having, you know, marketing, sales ops, and, and sales people. Um, it's generally owned from an implementation standpoint by uh, the sales ops because that person very often owns the SDR workflow where, you know, VP sales is going to be in charge of the AEs. The CMO is really going to be in charge of the different um, marketing individual contributors that do demand gen, uh, marketing ops growth. And, and therefore, yeah, it's really owned by um, the sales ops person, but it is a metric that um, marketing generally asks for because sales is all, typically uh, will complain that they're not getting enough quality leads. They're not getting enough dollar potential to meet their quota. Mm. And so this is a great way of actually being able to measure um, the veracity of this fact. Like, is it a fact or is it just a feeling? Because um, usually the typical thing is marketing is going to say, well, no, we're actually pushing all these leads, but you're not contacting them. And so instead of having this debate that's very emotional and not um, like statistically or uh, probabilistically driven, at least now you can have a report that shows you exactly how many leads have been contacted out of uh, the full batch that were created. So I think it's a great way for marketing to have um, data around what's happening after they push these leads to sales. So we see it a lot driven by marketing, um, just to have a more data-driven approach to the conversation of sales and marketing alignment. And, and not to necessarily be too uh, self-promotional, but can you put an SLA in place if you don't already have alignment around like lead scoring and lead routing and lead prioritization? Can this be the first step to doing that? Like if you don't, like if sales doesn't believe that the lead scoring or lead routing is good, can you put that in place? Or is it really like, well, if you already know you have that problem, then you have to address that first. Like you kind of already have to have some foundation of alignment. Otherwise all the SLA would show you is just that you don't disagree. You don't agree on this, on this scoring and routing system. Great. I think I think you can go about it uh, either way. Uh, for instance, if you take um, so basically, I think one of the things that I usually say is that everyone has lead scoring. Like regardless of having purchased a lead scoring solution, you are already doing lead scoring because you're going to look at you're going to get a sign up a cuckoo.com sign up or a Yelp mail a lasershark.com. Like no one is going to contact those leads, and that already is a form of lead scoring because you're saying, oh, this is probably spam, and spam is not going to be contacted. So I think having in place already a process of understanding what you do with spam leads, what you do with, you know, someone from Microsoft, from Uber, or some like some big company signs up, everyone's going to jump on that lead. So that, in a sense, is already some form of lead scoring where you're kind of figuring out intuitively what is a, a high quality lead. Um, so I would say the 
um, this process of an SLA is something that you should have in any case because you already have lead scoring. Um, and typically it would be when people reach out to request a demo, you should reach out faster, um, potentially than if someone signs up for a trial. Um, so that's what a lot of people do, but I think no one really measures it or has a strict way of um, you know, enforcing it or actually isolating the leads that are falling through the cracks. Because it's one thing to have the SLA and then the next step is to actually be able to um, prevent any uh, misses in the SLA by surfacing leads that are you know, starting to put the SLA at risk. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess, I guess I hadn't really thought about the idea that no matter what you're doing, you're scoring leads somehow, even if you're not doing it as well as you potentially could. Right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's super interesting. Um, I, I guess the last thing that I always have trouble with is like, when I think of an SLA, I don't know, I think of a contract, like even when I think of like a, like of any SLA, but it isn't really like, it's not like something where like the head of marketing sits down and signs something and the head of sales signs something. Although it, it's not like, that's not the physical manifestation. So where do you usually, where do you like to see a sales SLA living? And I don't mean like the document, but like, I guess the, the reporting and accountability, like, is that going to be a Salesforce report? Uh, is that going to be like, are you going to see that inside your marketing automation software? Where do you like to see that living? And, and, and where do you recommend people go to build that? Um, like if I yeah. wanted to build an SLA in my company today, I, I understand conceptually, but how, pra how practically do I build it? Like what am I just going to start reporting on average response time and build a dashboard inside uh, Salesforce or yeah, I guess that's, that's a really uh, tough thing for me to visualize. Yeah. So yeah, Salesforce definitely the place to have the, to build the reports mainly because it's, uh, as you mentioned earlier, it's typically something maintained by the sales ops team. And I mean, they generally live in, uh, in Salesforce. Um, I think, yeah, maybe the, the one tactical complexity in implementing this is the fact that you need to be able to track any communication that's uh, outbound from the sales team and push that into Salesforce. So there's, you know, a bunch of the um, sales automation platforms that help you push, connect your Gmail instance to Salesforce so that every email you're sending out to a prospect actually gets attached to the lead as a as an activity, because that's going to be the basis of the analysis you're going to be running in there. Um, so that's number one. Like that thing is kind of a hard requirement. Um, there's multiple ways of, you know, doing it, but uh, I would say like number one, that has to be connected to that. All the activities are stored in Salesforce, and then you're able to build the reports. Um, but surprisingly, um, I've actually seen a couple of companies that had um, a written agreement on this, and it was part of the SDR training. So essentially the um, the VP sales and the CMO would agree on a, on this SLA saying, yes, like it, you know, high quality leads should be reached out to uh, within the first four hours. And then every single lead that is accepted by sales should be reached out to uh, within 48 hours. And then if sales doesn't accept the lead within uh, the first 48 hours, then it gets recycled. Hmm. Um, and recycled could mean it goes into the round robin queue again. So then it could be assigned to another SDR. Uh, or potentially it goes even assigned uh, to marketing, um, where generally there's a self-serve branch and then marketing can own the conversion on, on that front. Uh, and then also, you know, there has to be a certain number of touches within the first few weeks. And then that becomes part of the onboarding guide for the SDRs, and it becomes something that, you know, it's reported on, and you actually can see your performance compared to other SDRs within the company. Um, and then it, it becomes a very insightful um report to look at when you then compare to, um, you know, quota completion of uh, different SDRs. Yeah, that's super interesting. So you've got like this quantitative, like build a dashboard, 
manage it and, and watch it as a, as a way to get like the data pulse on, on your sales operations. And then you've kind of got this qualitative and, and sort of uh, educational onboarding element where it's like, it does actually, I mean, you want all of your SDRs to know this going in. You don't want them to learn it because someone's like, hey, you're not respecting the SLA. So it has to be part of that, like that ramp up period. Wow, it's super interesting. Okay, cool, man. Uh, I don't want to take too much more of your time. That was actually already super useful. Um, thanks for taking the time to chat about this, and I will talk with you again in a week. Yeah, for sure. Awesome talking about this, and uh, looking forward to next week. Awesome. Have a good week, man. Take it easy. All right. Cheers. Thanks for joining us for the Mad Ops Podcast. I've been Liam Bogar, Head of Brand Strategy at Mad Kudu, and I'll see you again next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to ask us any questions about marketing operations, hear us cover any topics on the podcast, or if someone is a guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, at MadKudu, or email me directly at liam at madkudu.com. Thanks!